With College Prep Genius, free college can happen to you. That's right. It's never too early to start thinking about test prep to secure your future. Imagine getting free tuition, room and board, free grad school, and more based on your SAT score. College Prep Genius is the key to free. This award-winning, nationally featured program teaches students the logic behind the SAT. You'll learn to answer every question in 30 seconds, raise your score as much as 600 points, and go to the college of your dreams for free. Visit College Prep Genius to know more. Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. Hey, everyone, and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with an episode of College Prep Genius, and I have Jean Burke on the line. Jean is the founder of College Prep Genius, which is a wonderful college prep course. You can find out more information at collegeprepgenius.com. And if you want today's show notes, go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast and look for College Admissions Adversity Score, Episode 79. So welcome, Jean, and today we are talking about adversity scores. So what is an adversity score? So this is the brainchild of David Coleman, the president of the college board, and basically it's a way to, in their own eyes, to sort of level the playing field for students who might be considered, you know, underprivileged and not gotten a fair shake in life. I mean, that sounds all great on the surface. This is actually a horrible idea. It sounds to me like the college board's effort to signal their own social conscience by marketing this sort of new idea out there, making themselves look pretty good. You know, we're here to, you know, help those who have really had a disadvantage. Um, The the problem is, and there's a lot of problems with this, um, is that tests like the SAT don't measure adversity. I mean, they measure your thinking skills and how well you can think under pressure. So to bring in some kind of extra quantifications of your adversity is not only a dumb idea, it's it's very difficult uh, to measure someone's adversity, someone's hardships. Uh, Because, you know, you could be a very wealthy student living in a very wealthy neighborhood and your parents could beat you every day. That's pretty bad adversity. Mm -hmm. And so that's not going to be measured. Or you could be a very poor student but the zip code you live in happens to be a, an affluent one. You know, you might live on the other side of the track. So it's really uh, not going to do anything. And as a matter of fact, the thing about the whole SAT scandal that we've just recently gone through with the very wealthy people paying a lot of money to get their kids into college or to change the SAT or have someone take it for them, um, I can see this as a total gaming of the system because the questionnaire is actually voluntary. Uh, and uh, or done on a voluntary basis and you fill out, you know, you fill out these forms and anybody could say that they live in the worst part of town and they have one parent income and one's in jail and all this kind of stuff. So uh, if they thought people were gaming the system before, I mean, how in the world are they going to stop it now? 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's very a very good question. And so, you know, what do you think in the long run? I mean, this sounds like it's ripe for loss, lawsuits. I see lawsuits galore. They, first of all, it's not supposed to take an effect until 2021 if it even gets off, gets off the ground. I know that they've done some testing. Uh, but, you know, if you think about it, this appears to handicap or standardize uh, privilege. Or in other words, it's affirmative action, which, you know, had to do with race and ethnicity. And it's their nice way of saying, hey, we're not addressing race and adversity, and they actually are addressing it. Um, so if you really think of it, it really, if this, you know, pans out, it's going to eliminate merit. You can kind of pretty much throw that, throw that out the window, you know, that whole trophy for participating, you know, socialism step in that direction. And so I think that um, the whole reason David Coleman even changed the, uh, the SAT back in 2012 was because it, it was the first time in history that more students took the ACT than the SAT. So uh, not wanting to lose that piece of the pie, you know, he ended up hiring these ACT writers to rewrite the SAT to make them very, very similar. Uh, but now with this uh, kind of, you know, extra voluntary questionnaire that they, they're going to put out there, it's, it, what it's going to end up doing is end up, you know, biting them in the rear end because it's going to basically shoot them in the foot because people are not going to have it. They're going to say, well, you know, we'll just go, you know, to the ACT or even even the CLT. So I think that hopefully there'll be some awakening before then and they, they realize that this is not gonna do them any good. And you just can't measure it. I mean, if you think about it, how students are gonna be branded by, by you know, a one to 100 pseudoscientific index of oppression. You know, in other words, if students score somewhere in above 50, they're going to, it's gonna be considered they have some kind of adversity. If it, you score under that, it's going to show that it's going to appear that you have some kind of privilege. I mean, there's no way to even even test that. As, as a matter of fact, SATs aren't even supposed to have anything to do with that. You're supposed to be taking a test uh, to to see, you know, can you get into college? Are you college ready? Do you have some good thinking skills that's going to help you, you know, be successful in college? Uh, so, and, and here's the other thing too: no two students are commensurate. And mm-hmm. since, since not all adversity can be measured or even, you know, taken into account, I don't even know how it's going to happen. So I definitely see uh, that it's headed toward major lawsuits. So tell me some of the things, like, how are they going to figure out? Like, are you familiar with any of the questions that they're going to be asking? Well, they've so alluded there, to are things- some main factors. Right. Well, what they've alluded to, uh, there's nothing to my knowledge that's come out yet, but more of where do you live? What zip code do you live in? Uh, what uh, do you have one parent or two parents? And, you know, again, if you think about it, it's going to punish kids who are honest and say, I have two parents. So that's going to work against them, which, in, you know, in all reality, that's the best thing for a student. Uh, but then again, you're going to have students who can simply lie and say, I have no parents or one parent. And it's also going to ask them, you know, not only about their zip code, but, you know, just, you know, about their certain things about their background. And so pretty much it's focusing on uh, for, favoring a group previously discriminated against. And so I think it's their, like I said, it's their way to try to ease their own conscience. But, uh, the, you know, the, the SAT measures your thinking skills which is we all have in common, that levels of playing field. 
It doesn't measure what you've overcome. As a matter of fact, that's not the SAT's job. And, and by the way, it, it doesn't adversity make people stronger? Isn't that what mm -hmm. we take into consideration in our lifetime and say, you know, here's what I overcame because I did come from this rough neighborhood or I did go through this. Isn't it just kind of another way to just let kids skate through and basically not uh, take responsibility so that in life they're going to be expecting that? You know, hey, give me my handout. You know, is, is it kind of socialism disguised? Yeah, uh, it's it's a interesting question and one that you know is going to be, I'm sure, talked about for a while. So, are there particular schools that are on board for this and are open to this idea? Do you know? Well, they experimented in about 50 schools, and, and it did help them to increase, you know, their their attendance rate for students who, you know, were considered probably underprivileged in certain areas. Uh, but you also have to keep in mind, just because you get into college, you still have to, you know, do the work and maintain and, you know, make the grades. So getting in is one thing. You know, we, they haven't followed those kids yet to see what kind of success rate they have. So I think... If, you know, any company who's doing any kind of um, new program or marketing some kind of new project, I think they need a lot more data. If, if you know, if you could show that we took, we have taken these students who were in, impoverished and we followed them over a 10-year period and we found that because we were able to maybe make some allowances, they were able to be successful. That's different. But you can't mm -hmm. just blanketly throw this out there and have a few schools do it and say, hey, I think this is going to be great. Why don't, why don't we see how those students do? Are they even going to be able to do well in college? Because the, it, just being able to get in based on some quote-unquote adversity doesn't necessarily make you, make you successful. So um, what they're doing is that they're basing these on 15 factors, pretty much in the areas of social and economical, economical areas. And so the students don't see the score. As a matter of fact, you never see your score. So you don't even know if they've even deemed you as privileged or, you know, having some kind of adversity in your life. Only the colleges see it, and the, and the colleges can choose to accept it or not. So I, I think it's that whole give me something, that handout, you know, that, that we've seen so often that we have to, you know, take a step back and say, look, why aren't we just teaching kids? that you can, you know, you can overcome not, you don't need any extra brownie points to help you. I mean, there's already mm -hmm. all kinds of accommodations for students as it is with special needs and various things, um, which is great. But why do we need to add that on based on some pseudo kind of uh, area that we think that this makes this child privileged versus this child? Right. And in a minute, we're going to talk about some free uh, things that are out there that kids can use to study, and this is for all kids. Um, one thing I want to say, you know, my background was psychology before I changed to education, and I always followed anything psychological um, having to do with testing or, um, you know, classroom uh, types of, um, well, I want to call them social projects because basically that's what they were. Um, I was in the era of, you know, having... Uh, coloring without lines and no walls for classrooms, and that turned out to be a nightmare. Like you'd have four different classrooms with um, no ceilings, and so there were just partitions because we were supposed to have this openness and whatever. Well, that didn't last. Um, so it was like in the in the 70s, and um, 
You know, it was almost like, let's throw something on the wall and see if it sticks. One of the things that they taught us in college, which I really bought into and actually is very effective, and that was on, on how a teacher or student believes their outcome will be. So they did all these different tests and they did, um, you know, like they gave two different classroom teachers a set of uh, kids, you know, names and whatever and pretend IQ scores. So, you know, for example, a teacher that maybe had a mixed bag of kids thought she had a class of all these geniuses. And this other teacher who had the geniuses thought she had just average Joes. And at the end of the year, they compared test scores. And as per the teacher's thought and belief system, the kids who were underprivileged, so to speak, or average, did above average work and vice versa with the brilliant kids who were, you know, just not expected to do anything. This also happened in my brother-in-law's classroom he taught at a, a Virginia or West Virginia high school and he used an outcome-based methodology that had nothing to do with testing. In fact, he did some of this based on what homeschoolers do because, you know, he's my brother-in-law. We had talked about it and he had looked into some different systems of testing and it was more of a run chart. Like the kids had to get the right answers, but they had to compete against themselves. So they just wanted to test his system, and that's exactly what they did to him, was they gave him, a, which he knew, though, going into it, that his kids coming in were going to be below average because they wanted to test whether his methods would really work. And the kids not only did well, but also were, were clumping out of um, some of the history-based uh, testing for his, you know, he ended up getting... Uh, history professor of the year and things like that two years running because his method worked. But all that to say, Jean, if you are considered, you know, to not be able to do well, you're going to buy into that and, and think you have to have this hand up where, as you're saying, it's incredibly, um, I don't, I, you know, like I, I can't even think of, you know, degrading, um, dehumanizing, you know, dehumanizing yeah uh, you know for the kids because can you imagine being labeled and what are they going to do with these tests in 10 years is this going to be used and held against a student if they want a job we don't know right you know what we're doing we're reducing a student's hardships to some sort of data point you know to we're removing that person's individuality and so this mm -hmm. dehumanizing message somehow shows the students, you know, this is interchangeable and sociological points of data, you know, which does not reflect a sort of a jagged complex life. Uh, and it all kind of whittles down to some quantified and, you know, fairly contrasted bunch of baloney, to be totally honest, yeah. because, it, you know, again, we're going back to let's put everybody on the level playing field as far as whether you're poor or you're rich. Let's just give you all, let's give extra brownie points to those who are poor. And this actually would not have helped me. If this was around when I was in high school, um, I, my mom was practically a single mom with four daughters working three jobs and we were on welfare, but our zip code was that of a very wealthy area, even though we didn't live on that side of the, of the city, but that's a school that we went to. And so, so someone had looked at that and looked at mine 
they would have called me privileged because of, you know, where I lived. And so uh, it's very unfair. I do see nothing but lawsuits and uh, I don't necessarily even see it taking place. Uh, you know, but I tell people for us as a college trip genius, you know, we're taking a wait and see attitude. Uh, it, you know, if, if it's fine, if, you know, if it ends up being the people don't want to take the SAT, it doesn't matter. My program works on the ACT and the CLT and all those. So it doesn't bother me in that sense, but I'm, I'm hoping that at least they'll come to their senses you know, before it gets to that. Right. So let's talk about some free or low cost testing that's available online. Um, you know, you've, you've talked about places where you can get a baseline score. Where do you yes. go for that? Well, the college board does have eight free tests online. We always recommend that the students go on there and take test number one. If you go, uh, we have a redirect link. If you were to go to college prep genius, dot com forward slash o s s g s a t and that stands for official study guide s a t and that'll take you to the to the eight tests or you can just go to the college board website uh, what i recommend is when you go on there uh, don't click on khan academy uh, yes khan academy is a free resource for test prep uh, don't use them they're great subject matter uh, company to help you and brush up on geometry and algebra uh, but their test prep, not only uh, is it um, just teaching the kids, you know, how to review and preview and work out every problem the long way, they have the kids do it on the computer, which is a different skill set than taking your SATs on pencil and paper. So don't use them for that. They're not going to teach you any test taking strategies or how to answer the questions in 30 seconds or less. So what you want to do is you want to just print out the test yourself and take the test you can get their app and snap a picture of it and you'll have your score within a few seconds so it's pretty easy um, now once you've got your score then what you want to do is you want to go to a website site called capex.com c-a-p-p-e-x.com and what happens with that is you go in there and you create a profile and then you also put in your criterion for example your SAT score and you know, your ranking and all that, and put in a school or some schools that you're thinking about going to, and it'll create a graph and show me, show you how many kids were accepted or denied with that same criterion. So that does give you a good idea of saying, oh, gee, I want to go to this college, but I need to raise my SAT score, you know, 200, 300 points. And so at least you'll have a starting point. Right. Very good. So that, that helps a lot. And then also you can get those um, free questions of the day um, correct if they sign up for the College Board website. You can. You can get it via the app or Twitter or you can go on, on their website. And so I think there's great. And there's a lot of YouTube. You don't have a lot of YouTube channel um, strategies. And I was at a conference a couple weeks ago in Dallas, had a young couple come up to me and said, just want you to know that my my students um, watched your webinars and your YouTube videos, and I don't have a whole lot of strategies out there, uh, but the student was seventh grade, 12 years old, and got a 1360 on their SAT just by watching wow. some of my videos, and so, which is, which is amazing, because there's not that many, you know, there's not that much information on them. It's not like my whole program is out there, so he just kind of ran with it and said, okay, I get it. This is logic. You know, this this test mm -hmm. can be beat, you know, I just, you know, need to hone in on what they're really asking me. 
So tell me about your program at College Prep Genius. It's about $139, so it won't break the bank, you know, um, and you can use it, you know, with, with your children at home. And um, I know it works on test taking skills, but I want you to kind of break it down, like how many weeks should they work on it and like what's the ideal? Well, the program is online videos along with uh, homework every week very kinesthetic. So I want the kids to watch it, hear it, read it, and write it. So that's all involved in there. The kids are really only watching videos one day a week, but the other days they're doing the follow-up homework, whether it's reading out the textbook or whether it's working actual test questions, uh, so that they're, every day reinforces what you learned the day before. So it's designed for 12 weeks, uh, about an hour a day, five days a week, and that's, that's why you can use it as an elective on your transcript. A lot of young students use my program, 6th, 7th grade, uh, even 8th grade, and they might take one lesson and spend several weeks on it because they have that luxury mm -hmm. of time to do that. Or I may have someone who's like going into the senior year and they're kind of doubling up. Uh, but you have to hear it more than one time. I mean, you're only going to retain a small percentage of what you hear the first time through. So to really solidify it so you can apply it appropriately and really internalize the information, you're going to want to go back over it you know, more than one time. Kids, kids, you know, uh, might go up a couple hundred points the first time through, and then, of course, that really motivates them, and then they go back through it again and hopefully pick up something they missed the first time through and maybe go up another hundred points. So, you know, we, mm -hmm. we're the official test prep right now of HSLDA, and we've taught for them for three semesters now with, you know, with kids going up in an eight-week period between 200 to maybe 450 points, which is great. Uh, last semester, we had a student go up 700 points with HSLDA in eight weeks. So uh, that's pretty incredible. But you know what? It, it, it's, it's learning that information. For some kids, it's a lot quicker. But for a lot of us, it's going to take more time to really, mm -hmm. you know, become proficient at the information. But it's definitely worth it. Well, so basically what you're saying is, you know, with just a little bit of practice, um, you can do really, really well without having to have any special, you know, um, adversity score or anything like that. Absolutely. You know, you're measuring your thinking skills. And so these tests are logic based and the questions are purposely misleading and the wrong answers can be very appealing. And so students can look at, learn to look at the question and decode what it's really asking. And the great thing is, you know, the, Test taking is a skill that should be in every home, in every school, because kids are going to be tested the rest of their life, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, getting into college or getting scholarship money or post-grad school, law school, med school, uh, GREs, and so forth. So there's always going to be some one objective, indisputable answer and several distractors. And so that's why it's such a skill that everyone should know. Uh, otherwise, they can very easily, even very smart kids can fall for the tricks. We were just at the conference in the Woodlands this weekend, and a family came up to my booth, and the mom had heard me speak last year, and she was now bringing back her daughter, who is the valedictorian of the school, who literally bombed the test, which is very, very typical. A very smart girl, but yet, it, you know, it's a different skill set to take the SAT. Um, and so she was so excited about the program once I showed her and she was kind of like, wow, the light bulbs were coming on. No wonder, you know, I, I see what I, mm -hmm. I did, did everything wrong. So they are right. beatable tests, 
but it, but it, you've got to do the work. You know, you can't shortcut the shortcut. So you, you have right. to do the work. Right. So Jane, thank you so much for today. And uh, again, you can find the show notes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. Look for College Admissions Adversity Score, episode 79. And to learn more about Gene and the boot camps, uh, all that information actually is on this post, and you can go to collegeprepgenius.com to learn more. Thanks again, Gene. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius radio show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information, and we'll see you soon.